Hello everyone, thank you for downloading this Before the Medals podcast. My name is Richard and on today's show we talk to Olympic swimming legend Becky Adlington OBE. I was so fortunate to meet Becky and have a chat about what it takes to become a world record breaker. We talk the importance of enjoying your sport, the light bulb moment where it all clicked and the most important thing of focusing on technique again and again and again and again. Please do like, share and most importantly, subscribe to this podcast. It helps us to keep going and interview the most incredible people for Before the Medals. To find out all that's happening with that podcast, please go to www.beforethemedals.com and sign up to our newsletter. Thank you for your support. Here's Becky. Today, I am lucky enough to be sitting with an incredible Olympian uh, and fellow Midlander, uh, Becky Adlington, OBE. Who can forget the incredible summer of 2008? I certainly can't. At the Beijing Olympics, when Becky stormed to double gold in the four and 800 metres, breaking a long-standing world record. I think it was 19 years. Yeah. 19 years world record in the 800 metres of 8.14 I'd like to be able to swim that for 100 meters. It was uh, it was incredible. Um, Becky was the first British swimmer in 100 years to win double Olympic gold medals. Uh, and after such an incredible high, it was inspiring and amazing that Becky decided to carry on for another four years and work, put in all the hard work it takes to swim at London 2012, winning a further two medals, two bronze medals at London 2012 as well. But we're not going to talk about that. We're going to take you back. We're going to take you way back. So, Becky, uh, thank you so much for being with me today. What's your earliest memory of sport? Not necessarily swimming, but just, you know, what was your earliest memory of seeing seeing sport and, and, and it resonating with you? Um, I think just, I've got two older sisters, um, so I'm the baby of a family. So, obviously, for me, my elder sister's five years older than me. So, that's quite a big gap when yeah. you're a kid. Um, so, it was a kind of case of she was going to all these different classes, even when I was born, you know, my mum was taking her to ballet and swimming and all these different things that you do as a kid. So it was mainly watching my sisters grow up. And I think that as a baby of a family, anyone that's a baby of a family, you just want to be like your older siblings. Like you literally are the sheep of the family. You follow them around, you do everything. And I think it pushes you on. Even when I was little I just wanted to be where they were I didn't want to be in the baby class I wanted to be with them and it was always that 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 kind of resonated with me that I wanted to be able to do what they did and my dad um, my parents weren't ever sporty as in never did sport in that sense but they loved to watch it so my dad always used to take me to the football always who was the team Derby County, all the way Derby County. And he, he's, his uncle used to play for the team. Everyone thinks it's my uncle that used to play for him. Okay. It's not. Right. It's my dad's uncle used to play. So he's been going since he was a kid because he was the, his, his Had uncle. That family thing. Yeah. So he was devastated when three girls popped out yeah. and, <laughs> and he couldn't take anyone to the football, really. So he took us all the way up to kind of, we got to teenage years and then we were finally old enough to be like, Dad, we don't want to go anymore. So it was always him taking us to football at the weekends and um, just, yeah, watching my older sisters. So it was always kind of very family orientated kind of 
part of sport. I think being from a small town like Mansfield, it's not something, it's not a massively sporty town that you see it all the time. It's not like it's like now that I live in Manchester, everything is sport-based because yeah. you've got the velodrome, obviously the football All the teams. facilities, yeah. yeah. It's incredible and all the kids up there love sport, but it wasn't really like that for me growing up in such a small town. It was very, very different. So were they doing multiple sports? Were they trying different things at the time? They and you were sort of like going in, so was it like football, netball? What, what were they doing? Yeah, a bit of everything. Like my sister, definitely swimming was like the one for safety and whatever. Yeah. My mum just wanted us to swim, but... Um, ballet and all three of us were like, what are you doing? When we got old enough, because we are not <laughs> ballerinas at all, but we all did ballet. Um, Have you still got the photos? Yeah, I can remember being <laughs> dressed up as a fox on one like, nice. theatre production thing and just dancing around. I was awful, but <laughs> ballet was always uh, one. Um, and then like just like running, like there's quite a few running clubs in Mansfield. Yeah, there so is, it's always yeah. like cross-country running and things like that that... We used to do it at school. Berry Hill Park. Yeah, yeah, Berry yeah. Hill Park. Yeah, good yeah. knowledge, yeah, good yeah, knowledge. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it was always just kind of doing a little bit of running. And my sister was really into trampolining and, like, different things like that. But um, And you get inspired, don't you, when you're the, that youngest and you, you want to be, like you are saying earlier, you want to be like them. You want to sort of be able to, oh, they're doing that. I want to go on to it. You know, we a lot of people that I've spoken to, it's, it's funny that a lot of people we've speak, spoken to on this series, you know, the youngest yeah. And, and looking up and wanting to, you know, strive to be as good as their older, older siblings. So you mentioned um, swimming was, you know, something you all did. When did that, when did that start? Was that early for you? Very, very early. Yeah. Like my sister, um, my sister, my eldest sister, Chloe, was very, very good at swimming. Um, my middle sister, Laura, she always swam and she was always good, but she was a bit more like, mum, I want to go here and I want to go there and I want to do trampoline. Like she really liked other sports as well. She was very much involved with so many sports at yeah. school. She loved doing trampolining and other sports that she kind of wasn't as set on swimming as me and my elder sister Chloe were. It was like swimming for us and that was it. Whereas like my middle sister was a bit like, mm, no, I kind of like, she's a bit more of an all-rounder. Um, so Chloe was really, really young. Um, again, they both joined clubs when they were about eight so for me, I was still kind of in the learning process. So I was in the baby pool. Doing your badges, doing that yeah. sort of thing. And they were a full-on part of club and it just became a family thing. I think my mum and dad were having three kids and they were working and it is a full-time job yeah, to take yeah. your kids everywhere. So it actually it became a family thing that we all joined the club and yeah. it made it easier for them doing galas and competitions at weekends. If you're all doing it. Yeah. And exactly. I guess for you, like you were saying earlier with that inspiration thing, if you've got an older sister that's doing well at it, you want to, you're inspired by it, I guess. And you, you yeah. wanted to do it as well. I was a bit more of a chatterbox though. I right. was like, when I joined a club about eight, it was just more sociable. It was like all my mates were there that I kind of grown up and learnt to swim with and we just had a really good friendship group and I used to always get told off for stopping at the end of the pool and having a chat <laughs> so in, in that early early stage it was for you it was predominantly a social thing it was 100%. you know weren't necessarily thinking about the racing side of it it was social go along maybe get into the vending machine afterwards oh we used to have like it was because i think swimming is all families like yeah. it's all like volunteers it's all like parents that do the galas and whatever this girl there's one of this not girl the, a parent used to go to like 
cash and carry and get all these sweets and sell tuck shop after. And that was like my highlight of finishing really? training was coming out and like my mum and dad giving me a pound to spend on like tuck shop sweets. I was like, yes, I love this. That's and amazing. That was what it was always about. It was always about birthday parties at the pool and having like a ice slush and chips afterwards and like just being with my friends. That's co- completely what it was until I was about 11. So it took quite, it, to say you learn at three it took quite a while to, for something to actually click. So otherwise, I was just like, just want to be with my friends and yeah, have a But chat. that's a good thing, right? I think yeah. and that should be encouraged. And um, I think it's, you know, the, the first thing, you've got to love what you do, right? In order to do what you then did afterwards, you, you've got to love it, right? You've got to enjoy oh. enjoy the environment. 100%. And I definitely did. It was just such a family thing. It was just being with my friends. It was just something that I wanted to do. It was never a case of that I said to my mum and dad, oh, I don't want to go tonight. I never said that and that's what I loved about it and it just became kind of a bit of a routine to go swimming and just loved it. So so when when you know you say sort of 11 but when when was the moment between 3 and 11 where somebody turned around to mum and dad and said do you know what she's pretty good she's pretty good. That never really happened. Did it not? Not really I mean because I was so confident I was one of those kids that was too confident in water like I can remember, not well, I can't remember it exactly, but my mum and dad saying that when we went on holiday, I was about kind of coming up to three years old and my sisters were in the pool and my mum was blowing up my armbands and I just ran and jumped in the pool. And that was when she was like, seriously, we have to put her in lessons. Like I was too confident. I right, didn't realise okay. no the danger yeah, yeah. of not being able to swim. I was always just one of those that wanted to jump in head first, even though I couldn't swim at all. So you'd say you were comfortable in water. You 100%. For me, I'm, I'm a reluctant swimmer. I know it's great for me and I try, but I'm, I'm really not, I'm not comfortable in water. And I always find this amazing. We spoke to Mark Foster earlier in the series as well. And it's, you know, it's interesting. You just felt that natural, like you were comfortable in that environment. I feel more comfortable in water than I do out of water. Yeah. Really? So, yeah, it was just, I just loved it. I was I was one of those people on holiday. As soon as I woke up, I was in the pool until the sun went down at night. I was just in the pool 24-7 on holidays. Every single, I just never wanted to leave the A pool. water baby. 100%. So when I started lessons, a lot of the teachers were... Um, not necessarily saying I was good because I was technically good or gifted. They were just... Enthusiasm, yeah, energy. Yeah, and it, I think it was just a case of like, oh yeah, you should really join a club because I loved it so much. And because you I was so... Com- yeah, because I was so comfortable and confident at it, that is why they wanted me to go into le- to like join a club. Not necessarily because, oh my, it was not Tiger Woods. That I was swimming like four lengths butterfly at three or something yeah. ridiculous. It wasn't that. Um, but it was once I started, I was, I'm lucky as well. I was very tall for my age. I like developed very early. So even when I was like 10, I was the tallest in my class by miles. I was always the size of the teacher. I was just an early developer. So I think that helps everyone that's, you see confidence. Well, you see a tall kid and everyone goes, Oh, they should do sport. And it's like, well, they might not like sport, but it is kind of associated with that, isn't it? Being tall, having that athletic build. And that was me. I was always super tall and had so much energy that it was just kind of a natural fit to be part of sport. Yeah, it's um, yeah, and, and but but it needs to be encouraged, and you need that the right people around you. And it sounds like you know, mum and dad made those steps to make that happen. Obviously, the, the jumping in the pool and oh my god, we've got to get her to swimming lessons. But 
then you know there's that also that sacrifice from them to to take you all to those galas and everything when did that start were you doing that quite early were you going to races when you joined the club what yeah yeah you pretty that? much from like nine years old um okay. was doing that and, and it, the early mornings did they start then pretty much about yeah about 11 um the early mornings but they were already taking my elder sister to early mornings okay so they were doing it way before i turned it, it's a huge sacrifice age. for them isn't it massively um and once i kind of got to about 12 my mum decided to give up her job which is a really big thing for the family i didn't realize it at the time i think when you're 12 you're just a bit you, you don't get what kind of the job entails. Jeremy, you, know I mean? you don't get what mum and dad really do. No, no, no. You don't understand it all. And the concept of money and yeah, everything. Yeah, you don't. You're not going to do it 12. So for me, it was like, now when I speak to my mum about it, it was a real big thing for my dad to take on all that responsibility. My mum always worked. And she did that for, for you? For me swimming, yeah. Wow. Um, so was that the age where sort of 11, 12, where it the sort of penny dropped and people were tapping you on the shoulder? Pretty much, yeah. It was a case of like, we lived in Mansfield and my it, for my dad's business, my dad runs his own business. So he needed to be in Mansfield. My sisters were happy at school and they were doing their own thing. And it was a case of, right, Becky was kind of good at swimming, but as much as I enjoyed the clubs in Mansfield, it could only take me so far. And that's not meant to be disrespectful to the clubs in Mansfield at all. It's not. And even they recognise well, no, you've you, got to move on. You need better people to train with. Yeah. And and that will push you on, I guess, to the next stage. Yeah, exactly. And they and the coaches recognise that as well. So I started my mum started taking me to a club in Lincoln, but it was an hour round trip. So it was just a case of like taking me so no, it was two hour round trip. Yeah, sorry, so an hour each a, way. An hour each way. Um, so it was just become like my mum just couldn't do everything. Having three kids, trying to manage the house, trying to work as well as spending four hours with me in the car. It just became kind of really hectic. And I remember driving, my mum was driving back from Lincoln one day and my mum is never really like ill or anything like that. And she pulled over and I was like, mum, are you okay? And like, I didn't know what to do. I was 12. I was like, didn't know what she was doing. And she stood up out of the car and she just passed out on the side of the road. And I was like, I was like, I didn't know what to do. And I you did, were 12. I was 12. I didn't have a mobile phone. We didn't back no. then. And it was just like, I really didn't know what to do. And luckily she had just fainted. So she came around after a couple of minutes, but I was just like, she was, she was just exhausted. Like, wow. Absolutely exhausted. And that's when we kind of sat down as a family and she was just like, we need to think about this. I can't keep taking you to Lincoln. It's too much. And Something had to give. The things basically. that parents do. Exactly. Um, and it was just a case of that's when Bill Furness, who became my coach, had a conversation with my mum and dad and was like, I would like Becky to come and train in Nottingham. And my mum and dad were like, yes, this is perfect. It's closer. It's not so, It's not such a, a massive t- mammoth task as Lincoln because the hours and everything that we were doing in Lincoln. So I cried. I was like, I don't want to go. I'd made all these nice friends at Lincoln. I was happy at the club, but you just kind of go along with what your parents tell you, don't you? Like, okay, sort of thing. You just don't really have a leg to stand on. It was just... But in hindsight, a good decision. It was the best decision ever. How did Bill meet you? How did he find you? Was it at a race? Was it... No, so I used to swim for Mansfield Nova. Yeah. Um, Nova have quite a, a few different clubs and there was one in Mansfield. And then I moved to Lincoln but Bill had already been aware of me because I was part of the Nova program at Mansfield. Right. Um, so then it was a case of 
Um, he had seen me race a couple of times because you do when you all live in kind of the Midlands, that's yeah, what your yeah. counties are, everything. You kind of get to know every other coaches and clubs, don't you? Yeah. So um, that was kind of what it was. And Bill was like, I'd like to come. But I was the youngest on squad by like four years. So I was really hesitant. And my mum and dad really weren't sure because it was a senior program. That's what Bill had. Everyone was kind of aiming for the Olympics. Everyone was a lot older. But I guess you'd been there before, right? With being, having those older sisters. Exactly. And you, you know, from an early age, you've had those older people you're striving to be as good as, even though you're younger. And I, I suppose there was some symmetry there um, when you went 100%. there and they're, they're four or five years older than you. And, and how much did that help? Like having those people to chase and that were a bit more developed and a bit more experienced. Yeah, massively helped. Um, and I, I, as much as I hated it to start with, just because I was so young and everyone else was talking about kind of going out or going to the cinema and they could all drive. And I felt a bit like, I'm like 13. I was a bit like, ah, I can't do any of that stuff, you know? So I didn't really felt like I could fit in. But actually, I just soon slotted right in because even though I couldn't do those things because of my age, I do act a lot older than I am because of having older sisters and everything yeah. else. So um, I fit kind of straight in and just kind of loved the group. It was great because I had, I was always more of a distant swimmer. Always. I can't sprint to save my life. Like, honestly, I'm the worst. I've just got no speed at all. Yeah. Um, and at the time, mm. a, a guy called Adam Faulkner was part of the club and it was so good to have somebody mm. that I could chase and that was miles quicker than me because I'd always been kind of the quickest one. So it was so nice. And I think training with guys, it, it was very, very different. I could like the girls, it was always difficult because the girls were always more sprinty or they kind of couldn't, they weren't doing the work that I needed to do to be a distance swimmer. So it was really good. Um, how did you know that you were a distance swimmer? So how does it work? Like, obviously, you know, I've interviewed Mark um, and he sprint, Swap. like you ask him to do anything yeah. over hundred meters and he's, you know, he started out as a distance swimmer. <laughs> well, though. yeah, he did say that. And, uh, but he said, oh, you know, that was it. Boys are a bit in. different because their development's a bit later. So boys, I do think, st- like everyone starts out where you just race everything. Yeah, yeah. Like everyone just does every stroke, every event, and you just race a million different things. And then once you kind of get mid-teens for, for girls, it kind of becomes clear what stroke you're more suited to. And it kind of... It, you don't choose and it just it. fit in for you doing doing those events oh I'd much prefer to be a sprinter it was way better but <laughs> unfortunately quick 50 metres out the pool yeah it was days. not for me I mean sprinters it's a much more sociable thing being a sprinter because mm. you get a lot more rest it's a lot more gym work so you can have a laugh it's a lot more sociable mm. swimmers I was chatting to one of the, my friends the other day and we were talking about being retired and I was just like we were lucky if we got 10 seconds to have a drink in our session. Like we yeah. had no time. If you had a two hour session, you were swimming for pretty much one hour 55. Like you were, had five minutes, the whole session broken down into 10 second little snippets to have a drink, clear goggles, find out what the next session was before you were pushing right off and going again. Like yeah. you don't have time as a distance swimmer to have a chat. And it is, it's a lot more kind of, stare at a black line it's a lot more lonely world being a distance swimmer but at the same time it chooses it for you it's not something you really have a massive say in um it's what you're suited to it's what your build is everything else takes into consideration and 
Um, for Mark, he's got so much power, so that's why yeah, he's a yeah. sprinter. Whereas, so it just kind of chews it for you. But I was always more distance. It was just kind of I did race a bit of butterfly. I did do a bit of four hundred medley. I did do a few other things growing up. But it just felt like it fitted in. And yeah, technically, Bill totally changed my stroke as well yeah. when I moved to Nottingham. Bill is very much a coach that's all about technique, good technique, good technique, good technique. He's not kind of a messy sort of coach at all where it's just like right you've just got to get from a to b as efficient as possible whereas bill is like technique is everything so we really worked on my freestyle technique and that became something for me that the front crawl just naturally fit in and i was better at and we've talked about the you know the technique side of it and the fun side of it but you've got to do the work to do what you did and you sit here and you smile and you're lovely and we see you on in tv and you're this bubbly amazing fun person but behind it, to go <laughs> to go up and down that pool day after day, early morning after early morning, especially doing the events that you did, you've got to have that inner steely determination. And you're saying about chasing, you know, Adam Faulkner when you were at Nottingham. Like, what what did get you out of bed? What got you out of bed in those, you know, age 12, 13, you didn't need to do it. No one was telling you you had to do it. You weren't. No one had a, you know, a weapon to you and say, right, you've got to get out of the pool and do it. What? What? Do you remember what got you up in the morning? I just wanted to be successful. I was so driven, and I think for me, like so many people talk about, like motivation. How do you motivate? You can't. You've got to have that in built. Like Bill gave me so much. Like you said, he gave me the technique, technique yeah. he gave me the experience, he gave me the coaching I need. And he did push me on at times and help you if you're tired or whatever. But fundamentally, the drive had to come from myself and it definitely did. I knew if I if I kind of didn't get out of bed, well, someone else in the world was. And you knew that at an early age? You were, yeah. you were telling that to yourself? Were, were other people saying, were your family sort of giving was, you that? It was more a well? case of like, I can remember going, my parents got me tickets to the 2002 Manchester Commonwealth Games. Yeah. Um, and that was my first experience of like a massive swimming event, like not just like a, a championships here, like a, a worldwide event. And going and sitting in the stands, and I can remember watching Ian Thorpe races for so how old were you then you would have been I was 13. 13 so it was just when I was kind of like moved to Bill I was kind of like on that path and um I sat down and I was just I was just in awe of everything at the Commonwealth Games I was just like a kid in a sweet shop it was just I was taking everything in and it was like the first time that I just got goosebumps like was watching. that was that the moment where was it, you know, we talk a lot about in the series about a moment where something switches, the light bulb goes on and yeah. you go, I want to do that. 100%. That's me. And was that, that, was that the moment for you? Uh, Ian Thorpe's 400 free, 100%. Because obviously, even though he was Australian, he was the gr- one of the greatest ever swimmers. Technically, he was brilliant. He was just everything because it was like a distance event as well. I just... Was like I want to do what he's done. I want to change history. I want to be the best, and that, and, and something just clicked. And I, my sisters were always throwing the alarm clock at my dad, and I was always stood by the front door going, "Dad, just leave them. Like, let's go." Like, really, it was always me driving it. Like, my mum always used to be like, "Oh God, can we not just stay in bed?" <laughs> and I was like, "No, mum, come on." Like, she, my mum was. That's incredible at such a young age as well to 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 know that, and you know, yeah. to and to. And it's fine doing it for a week. You know, I imagine you watch Ian Thorpe 
you know, the Hollywood thing happens, the music comes on, you're having this big moment, this epiphany, right? I want to do that. You go, you train hard for a week and then something happens. And But it, not, it didn't happen for you. It just not carried on. The music kept playing and that was it. I think you've got to give, like, I'm the same person. If I do something, I give it 100%. And I was never, my sisters were so academic and they loved different stuff at school, whereas I just didn't. My passion was solely swimming. I just couldn't wait to... I knew I had to do school, don't get me wrong, but I was like, I was always just rushing to get out of school to go swimming. And it was always, that's the case. And it was like, I wanted to, when I could drive, it was just a case of like, my mum was like, you better pass first time because she didn't want to keep driving me everywhere. And I was just so determined to drive so I could drive myself to training. And it was just those things that I think made a massive difference. And swimming became, for me, one of the toughest moments was um, when I was about 15, I was kind of on the right path. I was doing the junior stuff and um, I'd made European juniors, which was incredible. I'd won a gold medal wow. and you do two years of European juniors. So and it's all going in the right, right way. It was all like, I was breaking my age group records. It was all fantastic. And then um, something happened, like 2005, I was just so tired. And I went to the, ch- the trials to try and qualify for um, European juniors. And I did qualify, but I just felt awful. And I was just saying to it, like, something's just not right. So I went and had some blood tests and it showed that I'd, I'd had glandular fever and I didn't know. Um, and then it turned into post-viral fatigue because I didn't know I had glandular fever because it's quite hard to know. I think when you're a swimmer, you're used to feeling run down yeah. and yeah, sure. it's just kind of the environment. So I kind of didn't really rest back. So it led to post-viral fatigue. But in that same month, my sister got encephalitis, which is a brain virus, and ended up being in intensive care. But for me, training in Nottingham, Queen's Medical Centre, so where my sister was in hospital, was literally a mile away from the pool. And swimming really became my escape. It like was, a release. From, from yeah, that, yeah, I think at home it was so like, oh, well, I'm ill and my sister's ill. And it was so, not, not a negative environment at all, but it was just quite a... Boof, testing right it's a dual test because it sounds to me like so far we we talked about the journey it's been the fun at the swimming club and your friends it's going to nottingham and and a little bit more serious and but but still enjoying it enjoying the challenge you get the medal at the european juniors and then first test yeah first big test and it was it was a case of i was doing my final year of gcse's and that's just like you get pressure from the school and everything don't you that you need to get your gcse's and me being ill i just couldn't do anything really and then my sister being ill that was so worried about her and we kind of got told the hospital prepare that for your sister she's gonna die and all this sort of stuff that you're like whereas swimming and everyone just treated me just like a normal 15 year old they weren't giving me sympathy or anything like that I didn't want that I just wanted to go and have a laugh with my mates and that's exactly what swimming became and sort of forget about that exactly for for that session and exactly and even though I I couldn't do the work just because of my illness so I was only swimming like four to five times a week and it was really monitored like Bill was Bill's so good. He's very much the type of person is when you're ill, rest, rest, rest. Yeah. Otherwise, you're never going to come back right. from this. So he was so good at be like, Beck, go to the back of the lane. You're just going easy today sort of thing. We weren't doing anything hard, but it was just so nice to just be around people that felt like my family as well. That's, that's what they became yeah. at the club. And it was just that so nice that I just got to go. And my mum and dad really wanted to keep that swimming going for me. Um, just because it, I was 15. How long did it take for that illness, for your illness to to sort of pass and to get back into 
what it, you'd feel like normal again? It took probably about between 12 and 18 months. And were there doubts? Were there were there doubts during that process that maybe you wouldn't be able to get back or were you confident and determined to to sort of get through it and, and, and move forward? I think the thing that helped me is I didn't ever think that. I didn't ever think confident or doubts because everything you was focused on, on my sister. Right. And I think because I had that distraction, yeah. there was no pressure on me. There was no pressure to say, Beck, why don't you stop swimming? Or why don't you really give it a go? Like, because of everything that was happening with my sister, it was kind of like, no one really asked me those things. And I didn't really think about it because I was so focused on, right, GCSEs and doing this and doing that, that I didn't ever stop and ask myself those things because you don't at that age. No. It, I think that comes And there's with more age. important things going on. Exactly. So you didn't. And it just became a thing that my sister slowly got better. I slowly got better. Um, and it just kind of slowly kind of got back to just the happy, like the happy times and just racing and full So sessions. it was a time sort of thing. It was a yeah, time mas- and massively a lot of time. Bill was just fantastic yeah. and he just got it. And it's so weird that both my parents, I think my dad struggled more than my mum, not going to lie, being a man, like fully trusting another guy with your daughter it was kind of like because bill doesn't really deal with parents bill's not that sort of coach he's like no they're the athlete i deal with them sort of thing so even though he talks to them of course he does but he my parents had to put a lot of trust in bill from kind of And, and during a very difficult time as well yeah and it really kind of me and bill always had this unspoken like respect and just admiration for one another and that's why we clicked and we worked so well like we were just the right team. And so I genuinely believe if I was with any other coach than Bill, I wouldn't have had the success. It's that important to get the right match for you. 100%. And how do you find that? How do you know? Like how, how do you, you know, there's people listening to this. Hopefully there's, there's, you know, thousands of, of, of young people. And the idea of this is to inspire and to educate and to help them with their path. How do they know if they've, if they found the right coach? Um, I think a lot of it is from my parents' point of view, they were like, well, Bill's got so much experience. He's got a lot of knowledge. He's got a lot of kind of respect. So kind of from their point of view, they were like, right, we know he's good sort of thing. But the biggest thing for me is that my parents trusted him. My parents just went, okay, she's in your hands now. Experience, it's trust. But you also got on well with him. You understood him. Yeah, but I do think an element has to come from your parents because if your parents are doubting the coach, yeah, it reflects onto that person. And I think whoever your child is, you've got to trust the coach because that it does reflect and kids do pick up on that. So I picked up on the fact that my mum fully trusted Bill. She never doubted him. So I 100% did. And I think that's a massive thing. And a lot of parents do struggle with that. And for me, we just got on. I'm the type of person, don't shout at me. The whole military thing, it doesn't work. I just laugh. I'm just like, why are you shouting? I'm just like, what are you doing? And it's really from a young age, knowing what works for you, knowing what type of learner you are. Like Bill, he's Mr. Cool and Calm. Like I never, ever saw Bill stressed. He was, but I never saw it. He always like portrayed that. And to me, I needed someone like that. I needed somebody that will keep me calm, that will keep me rational, that won't shout, that had respect for me, talked to me like I'm an adult, and he did. And 
that relationship. And it's some some other people like the whole shouting thing, or yeah. some people like somebody that's a bit kind of tougher or whatever. I didn't. Bill, for me, read body language. I didn't even have to tell Bill how I was feeling. He knew straight away when I walked in, he was like, you're a bit tired, aren't you? Let's do this today. He just just knew. knew. It was like an unspoken communication thing because we got to know each other that well. I think it's well, it's that that continuity, isn't it, of staying with someone for a period of time, long period of time. So that understanding, so important. Um, How did he cope when you failed? Was it, was he different? Like, you know, sounds like, you know, he's a great tactician, but as a great coach, you've got to also know how to deal with a person through good times and bad. He was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Like he's very much like me. He's logical and I'm very much a logical person. And he, 100%, it was a case of, he would go away. He he always knew to give me time. I think when you act in the spur of the moment, that's when things get a bit out of hand. So if I never swam well, he was just, let me cry. I'm a 13 year old girl or whatever, what age I was. Let me have a Let time. me be emotional. Exactly. He always used to, I can remember the first time was in 2007 at the World Championships. He was like, and he even said to me after I swam and it was a, an awful race and horrific. He was like, right, I'm going to give you three days to cry. Then we're going to talk. It's like, okay. Three days, I cried solid and I was emotional wrecked. I was like, oh, what happened and everything. And then we sat down and he needed to give me that, that breathing space, space. Yeah, to think about it, to yeah. get it all out. To, to understand it and for me to get my head around it. And he always did that. He always respected that I'm still a girl, even though I'm an athlete, I'm still a human being. Yeah. And that's what I respected about Bill wow. is that he always treated that's me That's incredible as foresight, isn't it, from him? and 100%. And he always knew she's just a teenage girl. Give her that time to be a teenage girl. There's a time to be a teenage girl and there's a time to be an athlete. Yeah. And he knew what when to approach what stage. Um, And he always did that. And it was always something that I remember after London, the first thing I walked down after doing all the media and the first thing I saw Bill, the first thing I said to him was like, I am so sorry. And he was like, don't ever apologize to me. It was like, I'm so proud of you. And it was like, he was always so proud of me, no matter what the result. And that's, he knew he could have said anything as a coach. He had the right and this is what I think I always recognize with Bill people always used to think it was so personal it was so this and it was like he's a coach he inspires to be on teams just because as the athlete I'm the one that gets that gold medal he has ambitions he wants to be on that Olympic team he wants to do those things and people and athletes don't sometimes recognize that with coaches that they inspire to be somebody and I think it's a real powerful thing as an athlete to understand that they have their goals and their targets as well. And I always did with Bill. I always, like, I knew that if he wanted to go somewhere on a trip, that's because he aspired to do that. Yeah. Not because he wants to leave me behind or anything like that, but just because he had an ambition and he yeah. had that target. So I always kind of got that. And I always was always dead disappointed after London that I couldn't give him what he deserved. Um, and that's the the thing that I think why we just got on because we both had those such big aspirations that were just never really spoken. But we also did stupid stuff together. Like I, I, at an event recently, I said something and they were so shocked because me and Bill, when growing up, I love chocolate cake, right? I'm going to be <laughs> Who honest doesn't? with you. 
But they're lying if they say they don't. I love chocolate cake. And I was always one of those people. And me and Bill used to make a bet. So we used to, before I raced, we used to write down what time I thought I'd go and what he thought I'd go. Whoever was closest had to buy the other person a chocolate cake. Yeah. And everyone's like, shouldn't be eating chocolate cake as an athlete. And I'm like, why? Because it made it fun. Yeah. It should be a hobby. It should be your passion. It shouldn't be an intense thing. Do you think we've we've took a bit of the fun out of sport in the UK a little bit? Yeah. Or generally worldwide, do you think? I think, think we took a bit of that out of it. I think it's so intense and it's great because you need that intensity. But at the same time, you need the other stuff. You need the human side of you. And that's sometimes what sport takes away yeah. is that human element. And we have that. And, um, and you did it and got four Olympic medals, right? <laughs> so, But I also think as well, a lot of sports are, are very, very early. Gymnastics is very similar to sure. swimming. You start from three. If you have that level of intensity from you were three years old until you're competing in your 20s, that's over 20 years of just it not being fun. And that's not right. You yeah. know what I mean? And and for sports that it's a bit older, it's a bit different. Whereas I think you've got to have that. And, and the maturity. To yeah. That. And me and Bill just totally got it. Like, I remember when we went to Japan and I, I don't eat fish and I'm a very fussy eater. And I just, I know my body. I was like, God, I just want like a burger or something. And Bill was like, right, we're going to go, we're going to go out after the training session. I was like, right. We had, this was like, bearing in mind, I was, how old was I on this trip? I was about 21. Bill was in his fifties and we had to sneak out of a training camp (laughs) to go to Hard Rock Calf and have a burger and chips. And I was like, why the hell are we doing this? But it oh, had to be no. top secret. It was like we were like James How good was Bond. that burger? It was so good. <laughs> so good. Chips? And, oh, you're all right. They were all right. But it was just like, it shouldn't be that way. And it's not a no. case of like, everyone else shunned it on the British swimming team. As if you're having a burger and chips. I'm only having a burger and chips because I'm dying for red meat. I'm dying for something. I know my body. I know what I need. Yeah. I just, I, I'm comfortable with that. I and... just don't want veg. 100% of the time. By the way, I'm going to be a double Olympic gold medalist. <laughs> but it was just like, I, that was after Beijing. That This was after right, okay. Beijing. And it was like, <clears throat> as an athlete, just let me go and be. And sometimes on these camps, it can be so intense. Yeah. That they don't let you just be. And I think sometimes... So enjoy it. Enjoy it. Exactly. Tell enjoy That's it. That's what I'm trying to say is that like, you can have that. And my own coach took me out for burger and chips. He knew what yeah. I was doing and he didn't care. And it was like, you're allowed one in the space of two months. So it's just like, come on, but you've got to keep that fun element. You've got to keep that kind of normality. And that's sometimes what I think sport loses out on. So Becky, we have kept you for a good amount of time here. We're very lucky. Um, I'm very lucky to, to have met you and talked about this, but we always finish with some photo finish questions. Okay. I don't know. Or we have to call it a touch finish question. Um, What's your... uh, the one thing we talk about a lot is talent or hard work or both. And what's your take on it? Is it talent? Is it hard work or is it, is it both? Um, it's definitely both. I think everyone has different percentages and ratios. My ratio was 70% hard work, 30% talent. I, it's interesting. No, I'm not, and you know that. I 100% know that. I had to work 10 times harder than other people, but I was willing to do that. But the most frustrating thing is when you guess somebody that's like 90% talented and will only work that 10%. Oh, they're annoying. And it's like, ah, 
But it's 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 different. I mean, Michael Phelps is somebody that's 100% hardworking, 100% talent. Yeah. You know, like he's just flat out. Both. Same with same with somebody like Adam Peaty. Yeah. 100% both. I'm not naturally gifted at sport at all. Honestly, everyone like, I went for a run yesterday and someone was like, oh, stick to the pool. I'm like, jeez, thanks. I'm <laughs> trying to keep fit. And it's like, I'm not talented at sport at all. But I loved it. Oh, I disagree. I, when I watched those Olympic <laughs> finals, I'm not naturally talented. Okay, but you coupled it. Yeah, you know, with some talent, and then a hell of a lot of hard work yeah. went into it, and you you reached where you. And did you? We know your favourite post game meal. <laughs> what do you have a pre? Did you have something that you a ritual? Do you have a ritualistic like with what you ate before races or anything like that or routine before? Um, nothing like that I definitely definitely stuck to I think the problem is when you travel so much yeah. we never really I'm, and this sounds weird because everyone would be like eat protein but actually we got told don't eat the chicken or things like that when you go abroad because you don't know if it's cooked properly and all yeah. that so I was just like you can't go wrong with just pasta I love yeah. just pasta and it wasn't a case of right before my meal, energy. but the night before it was always a big bowl of pasta or spaghetti bolognese or something and just, yeah, keeping it simple. Are you a motivational song person? No. No? I never listened to music. Really? Ever. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do the whole... Headphones so, on. Headphones. I couldn't do the whole have a shot of Wave the coffee family instead. or anything like that. Yeah, no, nothing. How did you get in that zone then? What Head was down, the... focused, um, just kind of going over. Bill always used to say to me, you can never think more than three things. You just forget and it's just too much. So repeat three things in your head. So mine were always like the first 25, keep it long and smooth, my turns and my rate. So the three, three things, I just used to repeat it. So before I'd just be like, long and smooth, right, long and smooth, right, wrong. And literally Like a just, mantra. Yeah, yeah, completely. Just going over the same things um, and just having that belief and always believing in myself. That was always just to do. Final one. 14-year-old Becky sitting in the uh, after training uh, in Nottingham. Uh, you can go back now. You're going to be a little time machine. You go back, you sit next to her, put your arm around her. What would you tell her about the uh, the years to come with the with the career? Uh, you, what advice would you give? Would you give fourteen year old Becky to trust your gut one hundred percent? I think athletes are very in tune with themselves and knowing, and to just enjoy the process, forget the outcome. Love it. So glad we were able to have this chat. Thank I you. hope you've enjoyed it. Um, I, I can chat for Britain, so you're fine. You, <laughs> you've been amazing. It, it's really helpful. And, uh, you know, if we inspire one future Becky Adlington and they, you know, so many people, you know, you look, you know, you had the Michael Phelps moment. There's people that are now out there that had their Becky Adlington moment uh, that inspired them to, to push on and be, be the next next champions. If we can do that and help help that journey then uh, that's, our, that's our aim. So thank you so much. Thank you. And uh, yeah, we'll, uh, we'll speak to you soon. Take care. Bye. Bye. What a way to finish our first series of Before the Medals. Becky is a hero and inspiration to so many young athletes out there with her incredible achievements. If you enjoyed this chat, please let Becky know on Twitter at BeckAdlington. B-E-C-K Adlington or on her website www.rebeccaadlington.co.uk 
Also, please, 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 please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Share it with anyone you think would be interested in learning the stories of all these incredible athletes too. We can only continue our work to find out what it takes to succeed at the highest level with your help. So thank you. As always, this podcast is completely free, but if it was worth something to you, please do visit www.encephalitis.info. As Becky is a supporter of the Encephalitis Charity. You can support this by visiting that website to find out more or visit Becky's website and there's lots of information about the society on there too. You can find out more about our podcast at www.beforethemedals.com or you can send us a message on Twitter or Facebook at Before The Medals. Thank you for your support. If you sign up to that newsletter on our website, you will find out which incredible sports people we're going to be talking on Series 2, which will be out very, very soon. Speak to you then. Take care.